Welcome to Because People Count, the Accountancy Europe podcast. This podcast tackles the hottest topics for the European accountancy profession. Get your need-to-know update from Brussels. We're back with our last podcast of 2020. What a year. We hope that you and yours are all staying safe over the holidays and look forward to welcoming you back in the new year. A small programming note before we begin. From next year, we will become a monthly podcast. This will allow us to focus on bringing you a variety of guests to speak on many of the topics that touch the accountancy profession. We already have podcasts planned on topics such as mental health in the profession and the global approach to sustainable corporate governance. Additionally, I would like to thank Elida Nijar for all of her help on the podcast. She has been instrumental in helping us get it started and keep us going throughout the year. This is her last episode, and we wish her all the best in her future endeavors. Back to today's guest, and fittingly, we have invited someone that can pull together a lot of the threads of what we've been talking about this year. Today's guest is Brian Friedrich, who is a board member from IESBA, the International Ethics Standards Board. They set ethics standards for professional accountants and independent standards for auditors. Brian has a special focus on the digitalization of the profession and is investigating the ethics around that. Until now, we've discussed ethics standards in our podcast on anti-money laundering with Angela Foyle. We heard about digitalization when we spoke with Martin Deby. Further, we remember the episode with Alan Deckers from the European Commission, stating that the EU is lagging on the digital side and to expect great leaps in the near future. Today, we merge those conversations to discuss the ethical side of going digital for the accountancy profession. This podcast was recorded remotely, so please excuse the imperfect audio. But enough from me. Brian, can you please introduce yourself? Sure, Andrea, and, and thanks for uh, starting with the easy question. Uh, so I'm a, a Canadian chartered professional accountant, and I, I spend most of my time doing uh, capacity development work in the areas of research standards and education for a variety of international clients. And then, as you mentioned, I also serve on the IESBA and chair its technology initiative there. Tell us a little bit more about IESBA. How does it interact with the work of accountants and auditors? Yeah, IESBA is an independent standard-setting body that's supported through IFAC, the International Federation of Accountants. And our board is responsible for setting high-quality ethics standards for professional accountants around the world in whatever their role is that they work in, whether that's in in industry, in public sector, not-for-profit, or as auditors. Um, These standards are contained in the International Code of Ethics for Professional Accountants, including the International Independent Standards. It's quite a mouthful. There's a fair volume of material there. Um, The code requires complying with the five fundamental principles, so namely integrity, objectivity, professional competence and due care, confidentiality, and professional behavior. And then at the core of our code is the conceptual framework, which requires accountants to follow a systematic approach to identifying threats to complying with those five fundamental principles, and then evaluating the significance of threats, and finally addressing the threats by putting safeguards in place. And if there's not a way to put sufficient safeguards in place to reduce uh, any identified threats to an acceptable level, then the accountant would need to eliminate the threat or withdraw from doing the work or from the engagement. And what we really try to do is to keep the code principles-based. So although there's certainly some detailed requirements included for some context, particularly around independence, 
Um, the code emphasizes both the expected behaviors as well as the mindset that's needed by an accountant and then underscores that we have a responsibility to, first and foremost, act in the public interest. It's also very important to highlight these code of ethics because people don't necessarily see these ethical decisions that accountants are faced with on a day-to-day -day basis. And it's so important to know that there is global level guidance for accountants on how to do the right thing and how to use their professional judgment in an effective way to align with these ethical standards. Shifting a little bit, the ethics standards have been around in the profession for quite some time, but digital technologies are transforming the business, all businesses, but especially uh, our profession as well. They change what professional activities are being done and which services are provided by the accountant and also the tools that accountants can use in their work. How is YESBA approaching the potential ethical implications of these technology developments? Well, you're, you're quite right. Both of the elements that you mentioned are, are central to the work that continues to be done uh, by accounts and therefore are part of our technology initiatives. So both the issues that arise when using technology and then also those that can arise when developing and offering new technology-driven services. Based on early and, and also ongoing stakeholder input, what we found overall is that the code's fundamental principles are still very relevant in the context of these new and, and innovative disruptive technologies, but there are also still a number of opportunities to enhance the code to provide clearer guidance. So early in 2020, uh, our technology working group came up with seven recommendations that now that the technology task force is progressing through to consider changes to the code to address some of those recommendations. And what we found really interesting is that uh, some of those recommendations are very technology specific, meaning that the, the scope is obviously directed to the fact that new technologies are coming into our professional world. So, for example, we heard that the traditional requirements for confidentiality are not necessarily responsive to society's increased demand for transparency, which particularly shapes the perspectives of younger accountants who grew up in a, a more digitally connected era. And so we're looking to make changes that emphasize the need for an appropriate level of transparency. And appropriate is, of course, being a key word there, uh, while also ensuring that we don't lose sight of the fundamental obligation of accountants to protect the confidentiality of information throughout the entire data governance cycle, as, as well as in regards to prospective current and former clients and employers. So, some of our recommendations are, are obviously very directly tied to uh, technological change, but others are ones where the direct connect to technology is perhaps a little less obvious, but stakeholders repeatedly raise the issues when discussing how they're being impacted by advancing technology. One of the key examples in this category is increased complexity in the professional environment. Complexity involves interactions between variables that are both dynamic and unpredictable, which leads to results that oftentimes can't be reproduced, even if we follow the same steps. Mm -hmm. So think about uh, AI systems incorporating deep learning elements, for instance. These systems frequently lack explainability and transparency, meaning that it's not possible to tease apart each influence separately 
and then expect to be able to come to a clear understanding of what's exactly happening or what's going to happen. So this isn't just related to technology, though. There's, there's a lot of other ways that complexity is impacting accountants, uh, everything from standards overload and uh, differing expectations in different jurisdictions to the public's expectations of organizations and professionals with respect to some of society's toughest problems, things like climate change and social injustice. Um, there's reputational risk, and then there's broadly even the challenge of determining what, in fact, is the public interest. And, and so the list kind of goes on and on. Obviously, this is uh, much bigger than just being related to disruptive technology, but that was the presenting issue that highlighted it for our board and sort of what the genesis was of the initiative itself. How are you incorporating the, the speed of technological development when developing the codes, making sure that the recommendations are suitable for the accountant's uh, daily work? By the time it's ready, it's already out of date. Is, is it this principles-based philosophy, or um, do you have any other safeties in place that you're thinking of? Well, principles-based is, is absolutely a good point. Uh, Timeline-wise, the, the task force, so the group that's where their mandate is to put forward code changes, Code changes we're looking uh, to introduce during this coming year, so in 2021. And then alongside that, in parallel, there's a technology working group that will be focused on non-authoritative guidance uh, that will also be issued. That's an area where it's not, uh, it's not that you're thinking of code changes per se, but rather where we think that the text in the code is already uh, acceptable because it's principles-based, but where we're trying to highlight certain issues and, and to provide examples or scenarios to illustrate how the text in the code uh, provides the expected behaviors and the, the code guidance within the text itself already so that there's not a, a requirement for a code change. So that's also going to be happening throughout 2021. There will be a number of non-authoritative items that will come through there. We're also doing some partnership work with, uh, with IFAC and then also with some national and, and regional bodies, so accountancy bodies, again, to put out this sort of documentation for their members uh, in the form of thought pieces or white papers or uh, roundtable events to, to really raise awareness and to bring up some of these issues in a, a different context than just within the codes. It's kind of two branches. You've got the, the code side, and then you've got the non-authoritative materials and educational side. Something that I find so interesting about the work at uh, IESBA is the fact that your code, your uh, standards are adopted by national accountancy federations, and when they are adopted by the national body, they are also adopted by the firms in that country. So, in fact, it's a very powerful code that does filter through to, for example, accountants working in Croatia or in uh, Japan, this centralized system that will be affecting the situations globally. So, the reach and the breadth of what you're doing and how broad you have to approach it is, um, I imagine, quite a challenge, but also prompts up examples that you might not have encountered from where you are. Yes, it's always important for us, as, as you mentioned, being an international standard setter, 
and having the reach that you talk about. If you're an IFAC member body, there's the statement of member obligations that requires those organizations to have codes of ethics that are at least as stringent as the IESBA code. And so what we see out there in the wild is that uh, there are a variety of organizations that simply directly adopt the IESBA code, and then there's other national bodies that use it as the basis and then again make their code or ensure that their code is at least as stringent as the IESBA code. There's therefore obviously a lot of different international input through our various consultation processes and exposure drafts and obviously then even just on the the IESBA board and its task forces and, and working groups themselves. So you do get a lot of interesting examples because uh, obviously taking a strictly myopic view of Western Europe, for example, or North America only is not going to get you a solution that will have that buy-in from jurisdictions around the world. And that's clearly important. And it's also ethically and morally important to ensure that you've got that input coming from all four corners of the world, so to speak. The work that you're doing right now will begin to be rolled out in 2021. What, what is the outcome that you hope for? Our goal since the beginning of the project is to ensure that our code remains relevant and useful as accountants continue to develop and implement uh, also technologies in the work that they do. And that means addressing the, the key risk areas where the changing landscape presents new threats to independence and compliance with the fundamental principles more broadly. Even beyond that, what we want to do is reflect the pervasive nature of technology, while at the same time not having that technology context be something that, that's bolted on after the fact or that looks bolted on. So what that means is that when we look at some of the broader themes that have always been there, uh, but are now being highlighted by technological change and, and whether that's around transparency or complexity or accountability. When we look at some of those themes, we're trying to weave them into the code without limiting them to just being technology related because they aren't. Another key aspect of the project is, uh, is that development of, the, of that non-authoritative guidance that I was referring to. Um, again, think about that in the, in the context of uh, an issue that's already addressed within the code, so the language is already there, but where it would be helpful to clarify that with some additional examples or uh, highlighting issues and expected behaviors through educational materials. Do you see any other trends on the horizon where you can see IESBA needing to begin to think about more uh, examples and interpretations for its code? Technology is, of course, always going to be a, a moving target which again is one of the reasons that we, uh, we launched the technology working group this month. You have to have some forward-looking radar in terms of what's happening and then consider the, the expected behaviors of professional accountants when they either encounter that technology or when they're involved in the development and implementation of that kind of technology. And keeping a focus on the principles-based nature of the code is so important because at the same time that you're looking at these new types of technologies coming out or being used and how they're being used, you're trying to think, what are the behaviors that might be anticipated by this? Are any of those behaviors ones that we as a, as a profession would not want our, uh, our members to be involved in? Or how might we want to direct their behaviors in a certain way? And then is that expectation already built within the code? And if it's not, then what do we need to do about that? And, and the focus, of course, needs to be on 
not the technology per se, but the outputs of the technology or the if there are new types of services that can be offered because of this technology that have not yet been addressed by the code. But we're certainly shying away from having a section on artificial intelligence or a section on blockchain or IoT or something like that because those types of things tend to change over time and morph and so on. But rather, we're thinking about how are those technologies being used and what are the service offerings now that are uh, being provided, whether it's being provided by a firm or whether it's a professional accountant in business who's involved in the development and implementation of that technology within their organization or within a government context or, or what have you. And I wanted to go back a little bit and discuss the AI solutions because we touched on that briefly before and you mentioned about how the AI systems can come up with a solution based on the given at a certain moment in time and going back to unpick that for the accountant can be quite difficult. So how can accountants uh, adhere to ethical standards when it comes to this type of data processing? Conceptually, we're more, and I'll, I'll go a little bit broad and then get narrow, but uh, so we're approaching the use of technology in two ways. And so the first is, is looking at how a professional accountant's reliance on the technology that they use might raise ethical questions. And one of the key issues there is that black box question, so, and which I think is kind of getting to uh, where you're going, where there's a lack of explainability and a lack of transparency. And when we use advanced technologies, uh, there's the risk that we might over-rely on the output of the technology uh, if we don't sufficiently understand what it's doing or how it's coming to its decisions. And so then we don't know how accurate it is or the extent to which bias might be negatively impacting its outputs. So this is clearly a really difficult issue when dealing with systems that, uh, for instance, have undergone multiple iterations of deep learning uh, such that humans can't understand what's going on under the hood or it may simply not be possible to, to keep up with the, the computational power of the system. And then the second way that we're considering the use of advanced technologies is uh, with respect to the services that firms offer to their clients. And particularly here, we're thinking about the non-assurance services that are offered to audit clients. And what we're seeing is that firms are investing, and these are large firms typically, investing heavily in those technologies like AI and blockchain, and then are using these to greatly enhance their service offerings to clients, which of course has some tremendous opportunities for clients. But obviously as a profession, we need to be careful that we understand how these new service offerings might impact the auditor's independence. And so our, our task force has developed a, a model that helps us evaluate whether a new technology-driven service, and here I'll include things like uh, the, the sale or licensing of technology as well, the model that we drafted helps us to categorize these new offerings by focusing again not on the technology itself but on the nature of the service. So in other words, we're, again, we're not thinking about AI as a, as a category of service in and of itself, but rather how AI is being used in internal audit or in finance or tax services and so on, and then focusing on the, the types of service or the outputs that that technology is using. And what the model lets us do is, is work through questions like uh, does offering this service or licensing this product, does that create a close business relationship with the client? Um, does the activity amount to taking on a management responsibility or does it create a self-review threat or 
more specifically, uh, you know, is this actually a completely new type of service that's being offered and, and one mm -hmm. that we haven't contemplated in the existing uh, sections within the code? So many of those are the same sorts of questions that we ask in any context when an auditor is providing non-assurance services to clients. But obviously here, our focus is on the, the technology context uh, that's being involved in uh, delivering the service. And then one of the interesting questions that we came up with is, is the, the notion that as technologies become more and more autonomous, we start to see more instances where the firm is able to embed its own judgment or skill set into the technology, and then the technology autonomously performs a task for a client. Uh, and what we concluded there from an ethics perspective is that it doesn't matter to us whether that task is being completed by a person, so a staff member in the firm, or by the technology, or through some combination of that, the service itself is still attributable back to the firm, and therefore uh, the impacts on independence and the need for safeguards and so on remain the same. So hmm. these are all sorts of things that we're working through with our different models, and as we collect uh, more and more use cases from firms, from regulators and so on who are uh, seeing these things uh, out there in the real world. Uh, and then we work them through the model and, and consider what the code implications are. But, you know, again, I want to reiterate uh, the, the point that you made that um, when you said really tech is a, is a moving target, right? There's constantly new types of uh, technologies that are coming out and new ways of using the technologies or um, putting two or three technologies together and having something completely different. So it's, it's, uh, it's definitely a very interesting area. Are there any other thoughts, anything that you'd like to, to talk a little bit more about? Maybe I'll just I'll highlight two other IESBA things of note that, that we listeners will be interested in. The first is, and it's related to the technology work because we're talking about, and I referenced this earlier on, with the mindset shift that's happened and the and really the need to stress the appropriate mindset. And so the IESBA recently concluded its uh, role in mindset project, and that project reinforces the importance of the profession's public interest responsibility by affirming an accountant's role in promoting an ethical culture in their organizations, uh, having an inquiring mind, and then also raising awareness around bias and how to mitigate it. All of these elements are things that when we did our technology working group activities in 2019, that we really found stakeholders were raising, that it's about the soft skills. So a lot of the technicals or what accountancy tends to be known for, those technical skills are increasingly being shifted over to technological solutions. But the thing that's really difficult to replicate and that's critically important is the profession side of professional account. And so some of those soft skills uh, are really critical. So, and things like having an inquiring mind, ensuring that uh, ethics is, is front and center in the work that's being done and so on, communication skills, uh, those types of things are very important. So uh, stressing that was the role and mindset issue. If I can jump in just on that point, I really appreciate that you're highlighting those because those are the things that will differentiate accountants from technology. It's the judgment and the inquiring mind. And I think that is also 
what we need to keep pro profession appealing for next generations, because I think young people have a lot of times the impression of the accountancy profession as something that's very strict, very structured. There's only one way to be an accountant. And so I think this this focus on on the fact that tech will come in and take over a lot of the hard skills, but the soft skills will make up for that for the role of the accountant to continue being essential for for businesses. So I, I really appreciate that you, that you highlight that aspect. Yeah, no, you're you're totally right, and that's that's something that the profession at large. Uh, it's certainly not an IESBA issue, but the profession at large is dealing with is the the transition of where what's the future of accounting, you know, and auditing, given the technological implications that are happening, and how do you how do you redefine yourself? How do you make the profession uh, both interesting to new recruits and also ensuring appropriate upskilling and enforcing the, the the key issues for existing professional accounts, of which there's you know over three million around the world. So it's a fairly big task, but it's something that. Uh, we definitely see professional accountancy organizations and also some of the regional uh, umbrella organizations taking a very, very close look at and, and have very significant investments in, in trying to understand that and then what changes need to be made to the education program, whether it's at initial professional development or, or, or CPD. So, yeah, it's a super important area. At Accountancy Europe, we are very active also in those areas to um, not only engage younger accountants and find out what their experiences of being an accountant, but also uh, looking into how skill sets need to change uh, to address uh, the coming technology and the coming shifts in, in the profession. The last one is, is really just a shameless plug for the IESBA eCode, um, which is a digital version of our uh, full code, publicly accessible. You can find it at iesbaecode.org. Uh, super user-friendly resource for anybody who'd like to take a closer look at our ethics standards, search in there, see what the, you know, what I was talking about, the fundamental principles, the conceptual framework, and, and the various items within the standards there. So, We'll uh, add a link in our show notes, so that way we'll be able to, to share it further as well to more broadly show the ethics standards to which the accountancy profession is adhering. But on that note, I want to say thank you so much for your time. It, it was a, a pleasure talking with you. Likewise. Thank you so much, Andrea. Thanks for having me. That's Great to, to interact with folks in Europe as well on, on this issue more broadly and not just with accountants, so that's cool. It was a fascinating chat uh, for me as well, and it's always a, a pleasure to speak with a fellow Canadian. But to wrap up for this this episode, we wish all of our listeners uh, a restful and fun time over days, and we look forward to catching up with you again in the new year. Thanks for listening to Because People Count the Accountancy Europe podcast. If you like what you hear, please leave us a rating or review and subscribe. We're available on iTunes, Spotify, and most podcasting apps. Get in touch. We are at AccountancyEU on Twitter, and you can contact me at Andrea at AccountancyEurope.eu. This podcast is presented and edited by Andrea Campbell with help from Elida Nijar. Our music is Fearless First by Kevin MacLeod under a Creative Commons license. See you next time, because people count.